Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD plus. It's what I use. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that when you look at something that you like, your pupils dilate by up to 45%. Now, I haven't seen the application yet, but I really want something on my computer that looks at my eyes and notifies me when my pupils dilate so I can become aware of what's actually pleasing to the parts of my nervous system that I'm not aware of. Anyone want to write that? That would be a way cool outcome for a cool fact of the day. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today is a Q&A session where my lovely co-host Alexis will be asking questions that our readers have sent in or posted on Facebook, and I'll be answering them live. We do this about once every month or once every six weeks in order to give you a chance to hear the real answers to the real questions sort of from the horse's mouth. Hey, Alexis, thanks for doing this today. Hey, I was, I've been looking forward to it for a while. So I love, I love reading the questions that come in. What's our first question? Our first question is one that I've been seeing a lot, and it's, what is the best way to store bulletproof coffee, and can you pre-grind it and store it? It depends on how much coffee you're going to use. If you are using your coffee on a, a normal rate, let's say you have a small bag of coffee, the normal size bag, then you keep that in a cool, dark place under the counter and close the bag tightly or transfer it to an airtight container even better, like a jar. However, if you have, say, the five-pound bag, which I've really gone out of my way to make that an economical option, the cost per pound on that is the same as buying it from a major uh, coffee house. So it's, uh, it's meant to be something for people who realize there's a difference and they want to go with the good stuff every day. So the five-pound bag, what you can do 
is you can take it and you can dump it into Ziploc bags, better yet, vacuum seal bags, and then double bag them and freeze them with as little air in them as you can. Most people say don't freeze coffee, but here's why. When you freeze coffee like that, it accumulates water if it's not tightly sealed because of condensation. The trick is never, ever open frozen coffee beans. When you run out of coffee on your counter, take your next one pound Ziploc or so out of the freezer, put it on the counter, and don't do anything with it until the next morning. That'll give it a chance to come back to room temperature, and then you can treat those beans like you did other fresh beans. This will keep your coffee fresher. If you're going to do a crappy job of freezing coffee, then don't do it. If you want to buy multiple of the smaller bags and freeze those, you can do it. What I recommend then is you press all the air out, or you can actually look at the little valve there. We use the expensive valves. There's cheap ones and expensive ones that work well. You can actually use a little vacuum pump, or you can even just suck with your lungs, suck the air out of the bag until it's super tight, and put a piece of scotch tape over the little vent, then freeze it. And it's going to store, and it's going to store better than it will under the counter. But honestly, if all you did was you kept your coffee tightly sealed under the counter, it's going to be okay for a couple weeks. Uh, But fresher is better, and we take great pains to get you the coffee very quickly after roasting. So it's good to do that. Do not pre-grind it and store it. The only exception to that rule is if you're going to be traveling, coffee degrades quickly after it's ground, but it doesn't grow mycotoxins. Those happen during the fermentation process um, or during the growing process or during the shipment process. So what you can do is you can pre-grind a week's worth. When I travel, I don't want to carry a grinder with me usually. So I pre-grind it and I put it into a Nalgene and I keep it tightly closed. That way I can open it, I can get some coffee out, I can close it again. It's not as good by the end of the week as it was at the beginning, but it's okay. Our next question. For people that like to do heavy workouts several times a week, the MMA fighter, the CrossFitter, etc., what do you recommend for them that's different than the standard bulletproof diet in terms of recovery and muscle building? Even if you're doing intense training, MCT oil confers benefits, big benefits. And we've got like professional televised fighters from both Bellator and UFC who are using bulletproof techniques, the bulletproof diet and bulletproof coffee in particular, and things like upgraded whey and upgraded collagen. Guys like Jason Lambert, uh, you'll hear Mike Dolce is a huge fan of the bulletproof coffee recipe and upgraded coffee beans and all that. So like this is legit. What you do though is we talk about tweaking carbs. After a heavy workout, having bulletproof carbs is a good idea. You want to still make sure you go into ketosis at least some of the time, but after a heavy workout, it's okay. Eat a lot of fat and eat some starch. You might want to go above 100 grams of starch, but it should be sweet potatoes, white rice, butternut, that sort of thing. I also recommend you space out those workouts and get extra sleep the night after the workout. You've talked about your ayahuasca experiences and how they've had some mind-expanding properties. There have been several articles written about entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley and LSD use. And the most frequently asked question about drugs on the forums, Facebook, and Twitter is, what's the deal with marijuana? Is it bulletproof? Smoking marijuana isn't particularly bulletproof because of the smoking byproducts and the toxins and inflammatory agents made from inhaling burned stuff. However, if you're going to eat your marijuana, or like one user on Twitter, a guy I don't know, said, Rockin', I just made bulletproof coffee with THC butter, grass-fed. Well, that's kind of funny, actually. Um, And it probably rocked his world. But I would say it's not something that you want to do all the time, especially if you're practicing uh, meditation or intense personal growth. Because the downside of THC is that it makes it harder for you to learn to control your brain state. So THC itself will increase alpha waves in the brain, which is something you actually want to do. But what you don't want to do is allow the THC to prevent you from learning you know, how to put yourself in a new mental state. So short answer is, as long as you're consuming it the right way, uh, vaporizing would be much better than smoking as well. I don't think it's particularly harmful, and it's certainly better than alcohol. And for God's sake, why isn't it legal everywhere? I don't get it. 
Just keep it out of the reach of your kids. There have been a couple of articles surfacing lately about the accidental ingestion of edibles by children. So again, you know, like what Dave was saying, use it responsibly. What about marijuana byproducts like hemp protein powder or hemp seed oil? It turns out hemp is one of the most biologically valuable plant-based proteins. I'm a fan of animal-based and animal-sourced proteins because too much protein of any source will contribute to inflammation in the body. So when you consume your protein, you should consume optimal sources that do the most for you biologically. That means that if you're going to do a vegetable protein, hemp is the way to go. Uh, Hemp Force is a pretty good product from Onnit. So no problems there. However, do I consume hemp protein on a regular basis? No, I don't because I think collagen and whey and meat and eggs and things like that are the sorts of protein that I'm trying to focus myself on. There's nothing wrong with hemp protein. The Bulletproof Diet doesn't recommend hemp oil in particularly large amounts because it is uh, not nearly as valuable a source of omega-3 as krill oil or eating fish. So if you're a vegan or vegetarian, then okay, there's, there's, your, there's your protein for you for sure. However, if you are you know, wanting to be 100% bulletproof, collagen has very little flavor. It mixes easily into everything, including coffee, and it's my go-to protein source. After the Joe Rogan podcast, there have been a lot of questions like this one. How can I get a bulletproof t-shirt like the one you had on the Joe Rogan experience? Well, Alexis, do you know the URL we just put up where people can sign up for t-shirts? I don't, but I will post it. Uh, I will make sure it gets posted when this podcast goes out. Let's do something even better. Bulletproofexec.com slash shirts. If it's not already live, by the time we post this podcast, it'll be live. And either the shirts will be available right there. They've been on order for a while, but I'm really picky about good quality T-shirts. So we found a kind of T-shirt where they bleach out the part of the T-shirt where the printing goes. So it looks really nice, kind of one of the thin, form-fitted, high-end T-shirts. And we had a problem getting the fabric. And this is the problem with being bulletproof is that when you're picky, sometimes it takes time. So the T-shirt should be like days away from hitting our warehouse. I cannot wait to launch these things. People have been asking for a long time. We're also, we just placed a big order for bulletproof stickers. People on Joe Rogan were asking, you know, where do I get one? Where do I get one? So thank you for being patient Well, I obsessively work on getting the very coolest, best stuff that I know how to do, even if it takes forever. Mel Heidi on Facebook says, I was on your website about to order some more coffee and I noticed one of your new products, Bulletproof Upgraded Octane Oil. I currently use your MCT oil in my morning coffee. So how are the two different and does the Octane Oil replace the MCT oil or should it be in addition? This is a question I need to write a blog post about. Short answer is that it takes six pounds of coconut oil to make one pound of regular upgraded MCT oil. It takes 18 pounds of coconut oil to make one pound of upgraded brain octane. So there's a big difference. And upgraded brain octane costs more because of that. The difference between what the two do to you is that the first one, upgraded MCT, has a mixture of C8 and C10 MCT oils. Now, C8 has a really good effect on cognitive function. It it makes me think faster. You get some of that in regular MCT. The C10 is more closely associated with uh, metabolic effects. Uh, for instance, if you're working on staying lean and all, there's a good use for that. However, some people benefit by having more of just the C8 or the upgraded brain octane because they're looking for the ultimate mental focus and because their weight is where they want it to be. I would suggest trying the two and seeing the difference. I found a very noticeable difference in my focus levels between the two, even though the regular upgraded MCT already is a core part of my my supplement stack for making my brain work the way I want it to work. Uh, the upgraded brain was a new level, which is why it's out there. So short answer is you could put some of both in there and then you'll get a little C10 and you'll get a lot of C8 or you can do just C8 and you're probably going to need to mix and match and see. My guess is a lot of people when they try 
upgraded brain octane, they're just going to cut over from upgraded MCT. But I will not get rid of upgraded MCT because it's useful for people, particularly people looking to optimize their metabolism, and also because it's the most affordable option. And it's not my goal here to you know maximize money stuff. I, I want... I want to create a demand for the very best stuff on earth so that everyone will have to make the best stuff on earth. That would be awesome. That would be super awesome. I mean, one of the things I notice is, is you get tons of questions about asking you to compare and um, help people figure out what the best of something is. And really the easiest way is to just make it yourself, you know, like what you've been doing. So I, I spent way too much time in the kitchen with beakers doing weird stuff because I couldn't get it and experimenting. And yeah, finally I make the stuff because I can't buy it. If I can buy it, I would just do that. I, trust me, I would love to walk down the street to the nearest coffee house and go in and know that those beans were clean and I would feel awesome when I had them. It doesn't work. So I did, I did it my way. Yeah. Mel also asks, by the way, he says, can I add the upgraded way into my coffee without pushing myself out of ketogenesis? Different people respond differently to whey protein in terms of how much insulin they make, but don't add upgraded whey to upgraded coffee because we spent all kinds of time and a lot of money on suppliers in order to get bioactive IgG and to get peptides into that product. So if you heat it up to coffee temperatures, you're basically denaturing the whey take your way separately or take it in iced bulletproof coffee, at which point it's unlikely to take you out of ketosis as long as you have MCT or upgraded brain in there. What does go nicely though in coffee is upgraded collagen. That stuff is heat stable to coffee temperatures and you blend everything up and then you add the protein at the end and blend it briefly and it's almost undetectable. It does not change the flavor of the coffee. And I, I sometimes I'll put like 40 grams in there. I usually don't do it for breakfast. I tend to not have a protein breakfast unless it's after one of my, you know, three time a month workout kind of things. So generally my breakfast doesn't have upgraded collagen, but I'll put it in my lunch. Great. Jason Meadows from Facebook asks, I have concerns about putting non-organic products in my body. Please school me as to why you don't have an organic label on your MCT oil. Our MCT oil is not available as organic, or of course I would have bought organic. However, this is an ultra purified MCT. There is nothing else in there but MCT oil. So when you highly purify something, you remove the parts of it that you don't want. So it is not certified organic. It's not available as certified organic, uh, but it is 100%, not 99.9 or whatever percent MCT oil. So you know what you're getting. You mentioned uh, iced bulletproof coffee. One of the things that people want to know is how do you make an iced bulletproof coffee and what about an, a nice blended bulletproof coffee? The problem that people have been running to is the fat tends to stick to the sides or end up with weird, weird little globules. So what's the solution? The easiest solution for making frozen bulletproof coffee is to blend the bulletproof coffee. And when it's fully blended, then add the ice. You want to blend it hot. That tends to get rid of a lot of the problem. You might also be a little low on MCT oil. That stuff has a really nice consistency when you blend it. It tends to be more creamy when it's frozen. And the final and sort of ultimate way to make it amazing is put in one or two raw egg yolks. Now you've got basically ice cream because ice cream is made out of cream, eggs, and milk. You don't need milk if you have enough cream in there, and that's what butter is made from. So you'll find that the egg yolk has enough lecithin that it really helps the fats emulsify, and oh my God, it is so good. It's an amazing drink, and it's got even more of the right nutrients in it. It's a total upgrade. Looking forward to trying it soon. So another Facebook question. Dave, huge fan. I'm 17 and 5'7". Needless to say, I'm short. I was thinking of doing bioidentical growth hormone. Is this safe and would you recommend it? This is one of those questions. Messing with hormones in someone who's still growing is totally, totally outside my scope of expertise. I could not answer that. And honestly, if you find an answer on Google, you probably shouldn't believe it either. You need to work with at least a functional medicine guy and probably an endocrinologist and 
tell them, I'm not asking you for permission. I'm telling you that I'm planning to do this and I'm asking for your help. Now it's going to happen. So please guide me and see if you can find someone who will work with you. You need to be firm and respectful. These guys know what they're talking about. If they tell you it's going to cause you to grow an arm coming out of your forehead, they probably mean it. But that said, you should trust but verify. So take the advice they give you and then confirm it online. Uh, I don't have good advice for you here. This is a highly risky thing that can affect you for the rest of your life. Do not mess this one up. It's highly risky. Questions about the kale shake. You list raw eggs as a potential addition to this shake. Since you're adding calcium carbonate, would eggshells, if blended sufficiently, work here? That is an incredibly good question. Since you're trying to add calcium, using calcium loading to your kale shake in order to bind the oxalic acid in the kale before it enters your tissues, hmm, uh, maybe that's a good idea. Yes, you could do that. Here's the thing. I've tried it. Eggshells don't blend. No matter how much you blend them, it still feels like you have sand in your smoothie, so it doesn't taste very good. So technically, yes, but probably not a good idea. The traditional way that people have used calcium from eggshells is you soak the eggshells in apple cider vinegar, and then the apple cider vinegar dissolves the calcium. The only problem there is then you've used acetic acid from the vinegar in order to get rid of the uh, excess in order to bind with the excess calcium. So then oxalic acid will not be able to bind with that. So that's not going to work for you. So bottom line is if you don't mind drinking a little grit, yeah, just drop the whole egg in there after you wash off the shell really well with hot soapy water. Uh, otherwise, um, it's not going to taste good. I massage my kale before blending or sauteing it, and that breaks down its cellulose structure, makes it damp and shrinks it. Do I still need to... St- do this before steaming it, or should I just cut the massage out altogether? Also, are the oxalates in baby kale less? Hmm. If you're going to be blending it, you're going to be breaking up the cellulose, and the massage is not entirely doing anything unless it makes your hands feel good. So you don't need to massage the kale either way if it's going to going into a blender. The blender will do far more than your fingers will. If you're going to eat a raw kale salad, which I don't recommend, you could do that. Or if you're going to make chips out of it, which I also don't recommend, you could do that. What happens with baby kale? It probably has less oxalic acid, I would imagine, but I do not have data on that. Okay. This next question is a great one for avoiding what Kelly Starrett called disaster pants. Dave, great post. I'll give that kale recipe a try. Do you recommend eating your kale shake recipe in addition to or in lieu of bulletproof coffee? That seems like an MCT oil and butter megadose if I drink both in the morning. The cool thing is that you can make the bulletproof coffee recipe using varying amounts of butter and MCT oil. So if you're going to start out your day by breaking a uh, intermittent fast or not doing bulletproof intermittent fasting, have some bulletproof coffee and have the kale shake. If I was going to do it though, I would put only a little bit of butter and MCT in the coffee and I would put most of it in the kale shake or vice versa. Since the kale shakes don't really taste that good anyway, maybe I'd put more in the coffee to get the extra creaminess there. And what about kale chips? Are they bulletproof? Nope. Kale chips have all their oxalic acid intact. All right, let, let's talk about kale chips. They're going to make you hungry because most kale chips have MSG of one sort or another on them, even the uber vegan ones. What they do is they use nutritional yeast, which naturally makes MSG, or they use soy sauce, which naturally contains MSG, which is why you can't eat just one. Yeah, I found that the amount of effort that it takes to make kale chips versus the time it takes to eat them simply isn't worth it. Yeah, they're a great idea. And if it was actually true that vegetables were like the superfood of all superfoods, then okay, great. However, you can be perfectly healthy without eating kale chips. They're a lot of work. They have very little caloric nutrition for you. And if you're worried about getting super nutrient things like that, try some desiccated liver, uh, things like that. You'll also uh, find that kale chips without fat and all that stuff on an empty stomach, man, they're going to give you food cravings, even if they don't have naturally occurring MSG on them. So I just don't see the point. Maybe if you want to just like dip them in guacamole, but even then you're getting oxalic acid and the goitrogens. Mm, Not seeing that one. Sorry. When I was a raw vegan, I, I can't tell you how much kale I slaughtered and dried, but 
it's just, it's, it's not worth it. It seems so inefficient too. You know, would you rather hand wash your clothes or use a washing machine? <laughs> the uh, blender, r- the new washing right? machine. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, you know, I like to call the meat, meat, the washing machine of nutri- nutrition. There you go. It's, it's simply more efficient. So will you talk about the coffee fungus problem and why Bulletproof Coffee is not affected? I've seen several different people ask this question from Twitter and Facebook. Well, I'm assuming that the the questions are coming about the news you've seen about the coffee rust problem in Central America. Now, rust is one of the many forms of fungus that can form on coffee. And it turns out coffee rust affects the leaves of the coffee plant. And it tends to infect one year and kill the next year. I first picked up on this about six months ago. And I've worked with my plantation and looking at their risk profile. And it appears to be pretty good. And that has to do with proper agricultural management practices. And since the bulletproof process is a systemic process, that's something that we look for. Our source believes that they will be largely unaffected, maybe 10% affected. And this is something that attacks plants and affects yield, but doesn't get into the beans themselves. Now, we could see a 70% uh, rate of infection in Guatemala, which would be terrible. And because of this concern, I'm working with several other plantations uh, in order to get coffee Uh, that meets the standards, that is that it's tested, and I'm working with them to change the production process on the green side in order to make it into the bulletproof process coffee that you know and love. So short answer, I believe we're good. Second answer, because I come from cloud computing in my background and I really am a hacker in addition to a biohacker, I understand what high availability and fault tolerance means, and I'm doing my very best to make sure that well, to make sure that I can still drink a cup of coffee every morning and hopefully there'll be enough left over to share with all my friends. I sure hope so. You're high on the list, don't worry. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so uh, Tammy uh, from the blog uh, writes, does anyone else out there get seriously stinky when they start messing around with their eating? Uh, for example, intermittent fasting equals stinky and very low carb equals stinky for her. Uh, you know, and there was another post a while ago that I saw about um, a guy talking about having really bad breath. And so any thoughts on that? I've been waiting to use the word stinky on on a podcast for maybe my entire life. I'm assuming when Tammy talks about being stinky that she's talking about body odor, um, maybe bad breath, and maybe bad gas. And what you'll find is that when you first go into ketosis, if you've never been in ketosis before, you will probably get like dragon breath and you'll have really bad breath and you'll stink like really bad. Do not worry. Take a shower and spray a little bit of sugar-free, non-nutrasweet, non-sucralose kind of basically natural spearmint oil into your mouth. And brush your teeth a lot. After you do this for a while, you will feel much better. What's going on is your body was storing toxins in your fat. And as you're losing the fat, and as you're changing the gut bacteria, you start to excrete these toxins through your skin and through your breath. It is not pleasant. You're also probably eating too much protein. Because when you go into ketosis using MCT oil and fat, Instead of trying to do it with protein, which doesn't work very well, you'll find that your odor levels drop. I'm to the point, and I have been for about five or six years, I don't get BO. I can go a week without a shower and I don't get BO. I don't get greasy skin. I actually am just fine. That's not to say that I go a week without showering most of the time, but it's actually common for me to shower every two or three days because my skin gets dry and uncomfortable if I take a shower every single day. And that's kind of amazing. I would have never expected that. But given that there's no body odor, wow. And same thing with bad breath. If you wake up with bad breath, you ate something toxic or you have toxins forming in your gut. One thing that'll help you smell a lot less is activated charcoal. In fact, activated charcoal is something I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And uh, Alexis, we didn't really plan to talk about this, but it's just a a great thing for body odor. Activated charcoal 
is one of those things that comes in like a thousand different grades. It's used in the emergency room. They pump it into your stomach to absorb toxins. And the way it works is the outer part of a molecule of activated charcoal is extremely large. If you were to flatten it out like a sheet of paper, it'd be, you know, I think a teaspoon is about the size of a football field. It's a huge amount of space. And it's also very highly negatively charged. So it draws toxins, including mycotoxins to it. And those mycotoxins are generally positively charged. So I take it if I get any hint of GI disturbance or if I'm just feeling off my game because it helps me feel really good really fast. The problem is that there are many sources of activated charcoal. The way we make activated charcoal is you take a source of carbon, which can be firewood, it can be uh, coconut shells, it can be debris, you have no idea really. You burn it and then you put out the fire while coals are forming. And you put it out by smothering the fire, by pulling away oxygen. And what's left is basically half-burned carbon. This works really well. This is what's in your swimming pool filter. It's what's in your Brita water filter. And it is one of the primary ways we remove organic chemicals from liquids in laboratory settings, as well as in industrial water supplies, home water supplies. Like it, It's everywhere as a filtering agent. It's also been used in Ayurveda for GI complaints and just things like that, and to improve digestion uh, for thousands and thousands of years. The only problem is if you don't know how your activated charcoal was processed, then you can get heavy metal. Because if we're taking something that's basically ash and it came from a non-clean source, you end up getting toxins along with your activated charcoal. So I haven't been able to get information about where the activated charcoal source comes from, which is why I am launching in oh, a few days, I think. Uh, you'll see it on the site soon enough. Uh, it's called Upgraded Coconut Charcoal. It's a 100% coconut shell source, acid-washed, ultra-fine activated charcoal capsules. And all of those variables matter greatly because we had to invent a new technology in order to even get the stuff into capsules. It forms a huge cloud whenever you, you do anything with it because it's so fine and it sticks to everything. Like it is horrible to work with in, uh, in a laboratory. And my wife, Lana, who's an ER doctor, she hates it. Every time someone comes in on drugs, tweaking out, they need to pump activated charcoal into their stomach. They all sort of know, like, don't do it in the room where there's lots of white because you're going to get black dust on everything. So uh, what we did is we found a way around all that, and we've got a new activated charcoal that all steps of the production process are known and controlled, and we make sure it's acid washed, et cetera, et cetera. So you'll see that coming out, and despite all the, the back-end laboratory work, it's actually going to be a little bit cheaper than the stuff you buy in the store. I'm super excited about this because this is something that like everyone should have on a regular basis for longevity, in my opinion. So that'll be out there and that will really help you with number one, bad gas, number two, body odor, and number three, bad breath. It's magic stuff for those conditions in particular. That sounds amazing. And what about... Um... What about for people that are going to eat a bulletproof cheat meal? Or I guess it's not bulletproof if it's a cheat meal. You mean like a Tim Ferriss style uh, four-hour body cheat meal? Yeah. I've, garbage? I've seen people write in and say say things like, hey, I'm going to go to Italy and I want to eat some pizza. How do I recover from that? Activated charcoal with any really bad food you shouldn't be eating and you're going to regret later is a very good idea. Activated charcoal with alcohol, especially alcohol on the red side of the diet, very good idea. Anything else you can do to mitigate the effects of crappy food? Um, you can take N-acetyl-D-glucosamine to bind to the wheat lectin, if you like. <laughs> you can also take glucomannan. These are bizarre substances. You still shouldn't eat wheat. It's kind of like saying, well, if you're going to inject yourself with heroin, you might as well use a clean needle. It's better to just not eat the wheat. Uh, but the combination of activated charcoal, maybe some of that liquid smushy bentonite clay, uh, and things that are going to stick to the irritating proteins in your cheat food are not a bad idea. Um, that's what I do. I also find if you're going to cheat, eat a bunch of butter and MCT oil because at least your body will have the energy available to oxidize the toxins in the food you ate. One of the reasons you get food cravings after you eat junk food is that your body is like, oh my God, get this out of here. I need some way to have enough energy in the liver to get rid of this. Can you eat some sugar so I can use the sugar to oxidize this toxin instead of storing it in your fat? 
so eating the fat as part of your bad meal, especially meal containing like fried oils or bad fats, at least gives your body some good fat to counteract the bad fat. So Trina from the blog writes in, she's an RN and she needs help. Hi, I'm a 50-year-old nurse who works the night shift three to four nights a week, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I eat really clean, take great supplements, and have started to do bulletproof coffee, which I love. I'm very interested in brain health and support as well as in losing 10 to 15 pounds. My question is, how do I eat or plan my eating and coffee around my crazy work sleep schedule? On my days off, I switch back to a normal sleep schedule. I'd love and appreciate some some suggestions. So this is basically a shift worker kind of situation. Yeah, and she she's not the only one that writes in with with this problem. There are a lot of guys uh, that write in with shift worker issues and how how do they stay on top of their game when their schedule is uh, not regular? If you have the option wearing either a hat or sunglasses or just being in an area that's not too bright at night is a good idea. I think hospitals are basically killing their nurses and doctors by over-illuminating at night. You honestly don't need bright fluorescent lights all over the place in a hospital at 2 a.m. It's bad for the patients, it's bad for the nurses, it's bad for the doctors. What you need is task lighting. So this person's hurting, let's shine a bright light on where they're hurting and look at it, but you don't need the whole room glowing with fluorescent light. It is truly, truly disruptive to our endocrine systems. And I believe it's linked to cancer. It's not the only cause of cancer, but it is a significant one. That has to do with melatonin production and lack of melatonin being associated with cancer. So you could take melatonin, but then you'll have body temperature fluctuations and you'll be tired. So one thing to do is take melatonin when you shift your work. You can also do things with you know, colored sunglasses, uh, things that block the melatonin lights, things that block blue lights. But I don't think you're likely to walk around wearing orange glasses as an RN. If you can get away with it, I totally would because you'll probably live longer and be much happier. The other thing to do is train yourself to get more efficient sleep or use technology to get more efficient sleep. If you have a hard time going to sleep, try GABA, G-A-B-A. It's an amino acid that inhibits neurotransmitter activity. It's a natural thing. It's present in all the food you eat. It's not addictive. And some of my executive coaching clients just go crazy for the stuff, especially the ones who fly across the Atlantic frequently. One investment banker client Recently, after I gave him GABA before he uh, boarded a flight from London to New York, he called me at the other end and said, Dave, is that stuff addictive? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I took it instead of my normal sleep uh, drugs and, oh my God, I fell asleep. I slept like a baby and I woke up feeling really alert. And he said, then I took some more the next day at work and I had this zen-like focus I've never had and it was, it was amazing. And this is a client who's a little bit stressed and full of anxiety. So GABA really helps if you're full of, of that kind of just you know, day, daily work stress. Uh, so that night we need to go to sleep. GABA and L-theanine, another amino acid, this one extracted from green tea, can be really beneficial to get you to sleep. And then hook up your uh, hook up your iPhone and turn off and you know, put in airplane mode and listen to some binaural beat kind of sounds. This can make uh, this can make a really big difference. So Vegas Vic writes in from Twitter: Can I substitute kale with broccoli to avoid the toxins? Broccoli has less oxalic acid than kale, but it still has a little bit, and it is still a goitrogen. Cook your dark green vegetables, and you will get better benefits from them. Sorry. So one of the things I've also seen around several times, and the reason I'm not putting it in names is because I've seen the question in several places, um, is adrenal fatigue. What is it? What are the common causes? How do you know you have it? And what can you do to make it better? Adrenal fatigue is a really common problem, not just for the the high-end executive types and like athletes who I, I tend to work with, but it happens to people at all levels of socioeconomic class. I see it in college students. I see it especially in doctors and pilots and nurses and people who have weird schedules with uh, you know waking up at strange times. And I also see it in people who have uh, low-level chronic anxiety that can come from outside them or even inside them. So, you know, if, if you had a, a rough childhood, you probably have low-level anxiety constantly without you being aware of it, and that starts to also put a, a weight on your adrenals. Or maybe 
you get sick, you get the flu, or you have a, a surgery uh, for something or another, and or a big injury, and that pushes you over to the point where your adrenal glands are simply unable to make enough cortisol to meet your body's needs. They get exhausted. They start getting atrophied. They form lesions. And this will affect your zest for life, your other hormone levels, your sex drive, and it makes you feel weak. It's basically like uh, kind of you've been exposed to kryptonite. I've had adrenal fatigue multiple times in my life, and it's no fun. And recovering from it is much harder than preventing it in the first place. Long-term ketosis without an occasional refeed can also trigger adrenal fatigue. And this is a problem for people who do the Bulletproof Diet and say, oh, I'm tough. I'm not going to do the once-a-week refeed for men or the once-or-twice-a-week refeed for women. If you go months on end, your sleep quality will decline, your cortisol levels will go up, and your adrenals will get tired because you it's actually stress on the body if you don't get enough carbohydrate to manufacture mucus and other polysaccharide-based molecules that coat many of the cells in your body. I know this from personal experience, experimenting with one serving of vegetables a day and the rest meat and butter and MCT oil for three months. It was not a comfortable time and my sleep went to hell. So what do you do about adrenal fatigue? Well, I'm a huge fan of adrenal glandulars. These are supplements you can buy. My favorite brand is by Enzymatic Therapy. It's called From Fatigued to Fantastic Adrenal Support Formula. And you take a couple of these in the morning and you take a couple in uh, right after lunch if necessary. And it makes a huge, huge difference. Also, the protocol you've heard me talk about with salt, where you take a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of Himalayan or sea salt in a glass of water when you first wake up, this takes a huge load off your adrenals and it makes you feel better. So bottom line is if you're lagging and you've been through a lot of stress, whether it's you know financial stress, you just broke up, you had a bad relationship, and you got fired, you moved, you went through you know doing your master's thesis and you didn't sleep, uh, a family member died, all kinds of stuff, a car accident, whiplash, these can all trigger it. And if you feel like you just are getting sick and staying sick, this will uh, this will be something you want to take you want to take on. And if you can predict your stress or you know you're in a stressful situation, proactively use these supplements to avoid getting severe adrenal fatigue. You will be more resilient, especially use them if you have a cold or the flu. Okay, and final question for today. This comes from Slam Dunk DD. How do you gain weight via bulletproof? You eat super clean, but you add more carbs. You want to be in ketosis at least once a week, but especially at night, add the carbs and make sure you're doing the high-intensity exercise protocols. I have found that people who are too thin tend to gain healthy amounts of weight, both fat and muscle, and then level off. Um, this is actually even true of my wife. Uh, when I met her, she was extremely thin and could not gain weight to save her life. She needed to gain weight to be fertile and uh, just to be warm and to have padding on her butt when she sat down. So the Bulletproof Diet uh, principles really, really worked there. It took two months for her to, to get her hormone levels kind of back where she wanted them. And she said, wow, I have curves for the first time ever. This is amazing. Uh, so it works for women and it's worked for multiple men too. If you are you know, one of those hard gainers, a naturally lean guy with without a lot of muscle, and you want to be a heavy weightlifter, I would encourage you to question why you feel like you need to do that because it's probably going to be a much bigger challenge for you than someone with a bigger body type. And like, what's the point? <laughs> be strong, be healthy, be well, live a long time, do a lot of good stuff, but you don't have to necessarily like walk around with giant slabs of muscle. And honestly, you probably won't live longer if you do it. I do find a, a lot of people who are lifting you know, four and five times a week and really working out excessively have adrenal fatigue too. So you want to watch out for that. Next up, I'd like to actually give a shout out to some of our posters in the forum. Suntoucher, Cato Lotus, Jake Joe 10, The Biochemist, Jason Miller, Rod, Aaron Lorch, M. Me Joanna, Ron Swanson, that's Stephen Baker, Conzid92, and Jason Miller. They've been especially helpful to other members. Um, 
with, with different things. Like Cato Lotus is a professional MMA fighter who's posting up a storm and he's helping athletes perform better while using some bulletproof techniques. Rod helps direct new members to important information. Conz92 has been helping members fix bruxism, which is uh, jaw clenching. And Rod is helping discourage members stay positive, which I think is actually something really useful because a lot of people, when they start a new protocol, often aren't doing it right. Uh, So they won't get some of the same results that they hear everybody else talking about. So our forum's great if you haven't checked it out. Thanks to all of you. So Dave, what biohack are you doing this week? You know, this has been such a crazy week. I I was down um, earlier on the Joe Rogan show and I went to my nutritional formulator. I I work with several. um, These are manufacturing facilities with, uh, with different types of things that are not normally found in supplements. Uh, so this is a company that mostly does pharmaceutical delivery techniques, but we're working on a uh, a derivative of phenylated GABA, uh, which is profound for jet lag and fatigue. And this is a naturally occurring substance, um, but it's one that doesn't cross the gut lining very well. And so when you take it, it doesn't actually work very well. It just kind of works. But in the form uh, where we've uh, encapsulated it, it goes right in and, oh, my God, I I felt like I was just completely on fire just with natural substances all day long. Like my brain was so creative. So that was pretty cool. This is a a new, uh, you know, unknown supplement. Uh, And when we we bring it out, it's going to be pretty incredible because, you know, it's all natural. But, man, what a boost. All right, Alexis, what have you been doing this week? This week, I'm working on uh, some stuff related to ArpWave. When I when we did the Bulletproof conference, that was my first exposure to it, and it was amazing. I had a really good time. Um, I met a whole bunch of cool people there, including Justin, Justin Marchigiani, uh, who runs a chiropractic office down in Cupertino, closer to where I live. And so I started seeing him, um, and he's, he's using his devices on me, and we're trying to fix the instability at... Um, a tib-fib joint at my ankle. And it's one of the only joints in the whole body that isn't supported by a muscle going around it. And if the joint has laxity or instability, it can create instability throughout the whole body. Justin described it as it's like driving a car when the alignment is off. And so we're trying to repair that because I've had some chronic pain issues uh, in my uh, glute and psoas. And uh, it seems to be helping quite a bit. And it's uh, quite fun to get I joke that I get electrocuted every week but uh it's quite a lot of fun it's really funny that you had that issue Uh, I did some electrical stimulation work on fixing that same problem myself and after the right kind of current I was amazed because I've always since I was a little kid when I lay down my feet splay out sideways they're supposed to sort of stick up but I was duck-footed as a child and I still have that movement pattern in. So I worked on uh, retraining the nervous system. And then for about six weeks, I had to wear athletic tape around my ankle in order to sort of pull those things together and allow the ligaments to be less stretched. And funny enough, after even the first electrical stem treatment, I was able to just lay down and naturally my feet stuck up. It was, uh, it was pretty incredible. So I would, uh, I would encourage people to check out our, our Bulletproof Physician list uh, or um, hit up the forums and all, and uh, we can talk about how to hook you up with uh, the right sorts of electrical stimulation. Yeah, one of the things I'm doing in addition to that to help the ligaments and stuff is taking collagen. Um, and do you have any other recommendations for what I should take to help speed up the, pro- the recovery process? One of the primary things for recovery is L-glutamine. You totally want to be taking L-glutamine anytime you're working on recovery. It just works better. Uh, so does iodine. Seems important. Vitamin A, the preformed vitamin A is helpful. And so is zinc. Okay, so preformed vitamin A, meaning not the vitamin A that's in cod liver oil, but something else. Uh, no, vitamin A in cod liver oil is preformed, as in retinol. Oh, you don't great. want the beta carotene uh, form. It, it uh, doesn't convert the way you want it to for this process. Okay. And I've also started a, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, serapeptase protocol. 
Oh yeah, this is something that I I used a long time ago. I, I still take it every night. This stuff is really good. Anything you're looking forward to this week? I'm about to go in and do another set of 40 Years of Zen in seven days. A couple times a year, I go in with some of my executive coaching clients and we have an exclusive bulletproof session where uh, we spend seven days with each day going in and hooking eight electrodes up to our heads and basically rewiring the way our thinking and our emotions work. Doing it one time is associated with the 12 IQ point boost that I keep talking about and the 50% creativity boost. But doing it multiple times, it's it's almost like an unfair advantage. My brain is so different than it was before. I'm incredibly grateful to have access to that kind of technology. It is ridiculously expensive. It's $15,000. So I'm going in with you know some of the CEO type of coaching clients. It, it's pretty exclusive. Uh, I don't actually get paid to do this with them because uh, I figure it's expensive enough as it is. And uh, I'm sorry it's that expensive. Uh, I it's transformative and I really, really wish that I could put it out there in high schools and everywhere else, um, but it's not my tech. So I work with the founders. If this is interesting, uh, hit me up on my coaching forum and uh, we can talk about it. Uh, this is the single largest, most impactful biohack I've ever done. It's also one of the most difficult because it takes seven really focused days where it's all you do and they're gut-wrenching, difficult days. Uh, but when you're done, the voice in your head is quiet. I start that in a couple days. The team will definitely miss you. Uh, I'm not supposed to, but I'm sure I'll send email once or twice while, while I'm training. If it's anything like last time, we'll get a whole ton of emails. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Alexis, thanks for uh, asking the questions on today's Q&A. Uh, as always, it's great fun. And our next show will have another interview format. And we're going to be working on really posting the shows a lot more frequently going forward. We've got a whole new production process and uh, things are are much, much more organized and just more professional. If you've been listening since the early days when it was kind of the Wild West and uh, you know editing problems and poor sound quality and um, just a, a level of professionalism that was lacking, uh, you're going to see uh, just some amazing stuff going forward. So I'm, I'm super excited about this and I'm kind of doubling down on the podcast. So thanks for listening and tune in very soon for the next one. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.